Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. Good morning. Uh, It is so good that we can gather together. I'm glad too that you're not wearing a mask this week. Last week it looked like you were death staring me the whole time, which is unusual for some of you. (laughs) We're going to pray and then we'll get into this passage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can gather this morning. Lord, it is actually just really good for us to be side by side with other people. Lord, and and to speak to one another and to encourage one another that there is something greater in this world than what we see in front of us. God, as we've already been reminded of this morning, we thank you for Jesus. And we pray now that as we open up your word that you would speak to us. We pray that we would be transformed and changed, Lord, by who you are and what you've done and by the work in us right now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there was uh, some videos that were released this week, I don't know if you saw these, that were pretty distressing from um, the riots in the Capitol building a couple of weeks ago uh, in America. And the reason it was distressing, if you did see them, wasn't, for me, it wasn't the mob mentality, it was uh, simply the fact that there was a group of them who stood in the middle of Capitol praying. And this group that were praying were a part of another group called the Proud Boys, Now, if you're not sure who they are, they're a a white supremacist uh, organization in America uh, who are men only, male only. In fact, they aim for the age of 15 to 30, Western white male is kind of their, you know, their their mission field. And the first thing that they say to enter into this group is we are proud Western chauvinists. Now, the problem I have with the, the videos that were released this week of the riots was you had these guys praying in the Capitol building. And their prayer was, God, we thank you for your white light of protection. Now, I hate that, right? I hate it for so many reasons. But one of the reasons I hate is because of the implication that the type of person God accepts is a white male, 15 to 30, a chauvinist. I hate that implication that you get from watching these guys use God to back up their kind of campaigns and what they're trying to do. But see, as I was watching this, I realized that all they've done is decide that the type of person God accepts, they've based it on who they are rather than what God actually says. And as I was thinking about that, I realized that, you know what, we can sometimes fall into that as well. See, I wonder if you think about the type of person God accepts, I wonder what picture you have in your mind. You know, who comes to your mind? Because often we base that answer on who we are. You know, we often base that answer on our skin color, our gender, our wealth, our background, even our political views. And what happens is we decide the type of person God accepts is more to do with who I am rather than what God says. And so this morning what we want to do is actually come to what God says. We want to open up the Bible and see what does God say about this? What does God say that the type of person is that can get acceptance from God? Who is that? What do they have to have going for them to be accepted from God? We're going to see that as we dig into this passage in Luke 19. We're going to see the type of person that God accepts, and it's confronting, but it's also confronting because it reveals something about God as well. So we're going to dig into all of that, and we pick it up in Luke 19, where Ross read out for us before, beginning in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. 
He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So what type of person is it that can get acceptance before God? We're going to dig into this passage and see this, and we actually see it's kind of the opposite of anything that we would expect. See, we enter this scene in Jericho. We, we enter this town, really, in Jericho, and Jesus is coming through. That's how this passage begins. Jesus is going through this town. And at this stage of Jesus' ministry, his fame is beginning to spread. Okay, so, so Jesus is starting to get a little bit famous because of the stuff that he's done. You know, he fed thousands of people off a couple of loaves. He's healed the sick. He gives sight to the blind. And so there's this natural thing that happens that people want to come and see him. And this is the experience at Jericho. And if you're at Jericho, this is what we would do, right? We would go out and we would see Jesus because we'd be wondering, what's he going to do? What's Jesus going to do here in this city of Jericho? But then as we go out to see Jesus, you know, if we're in that crowd, we see this guy, Zacchaeus. And as we see him, our heart sinks because Zacchaeus is this despised guy. He's kind of this reject. In fact, the feeling we would get as we see Zacchaeus is kind of that feeling, if you've ever had it, when you go to the shops and you see your ex or someone you don't really like and your heart sinks and you're like, not that guy, right? That's kind of the feeling because Zacchaeus was that. He's rejected, he's despised, and the reason is because he's a tax collector. Now, it doesn't sound that bad, except in that day, tax collectors were traitors and thieves. They had abandoned the Jews to go and work for Rome and then they would come and take tax from Jews and in doing so, they'd raise the tax and steal money off them. Tax collectors were the worst. So you see Zacchaeus, and there's this sense here, this guy's the worst. But he's not just the worst, he's the worst of the worst. Because he's a chief tax collector, right? He's kind of the guy that oversees the whole thing. And so there's this sense that you see him, and you're like, man, this guy, he is the worst of the worst. And so you're gathered around in this crowd. You're wondering what Jesus is going to do. And then before Jesus rocks up, you see Zacchaeus climbing a tree. Now, this might not sound like a big deal, because today, you know, in Australia, climbing a tree to see something is fine. In fact, last year, if you remember, when the NRL was on, the West Tigers were playing a game, and they weren't allowed spectators in, so some guys built some scaffolding to see in from outside the, the, uh, the ground, and that kind of went viral, because everyone was like, man, these guys are awesome, you know, they're building something to see. Back in this day, though, climbing a tree, doing that kind of thing, wasn't awesome. It was something only kids did. Right? Grown men don't climb trees. It's shameful. And so you've got this feeling, you're in this crowd seeing Jesus, and then you look over Zacchaeus, the worst of the worst, climbing a tree. What are you doing, Zacchaeus? Right? Like, is this going to turn Jesus off our city? Is Jesus going to come in and look at one guy, take one look at the guy up a tree and go, okay, I'm not going to do anything here? What does Jesus do? What does Jesus do for this guy who's the worst of the worst and climbing a tree? Does he shame him? Does he guilt him? Does he ridicule him for his past or what he's doing in the present? What Jesus does is, is shocking. It's confronting. Because he doesn't do that. What does he do? Well, we see it. It's radical what Jesus does. And we see it in verse 5. Jesus cares for him. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Jesus, to this guy, the worst of the worst, who's climbing a tree, the mo like the most shameful guy you've ever kind of met, Jesus doesn't shame him. He doesn't guilt him. He doesn't ridicule him. 
He doesn't walk up and say, get down from that tree. What are you doing? No, he cares for him. And he does this in a really powerful way here, in how he sees him, he knows him, and he accepts him. Now, now we see this, right? These three things. The first thing is he sees Zacchaeus. Now, it's just a small detail that often we'd go past, but it's really important. We see this in verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. He sees Zacchaeus. This is important because in this kind of these verses here, we see this play between who's trying to see who. Zacchaeus is trying to see Jesus, but whether he wants to be seen or not is a different question. And yet what Jesus shows when he rocks up and gets to the spot, he sees Zacchaeus. And this is huge. Zacchaeus has the attention of Jesus. You know, when we think about it, it is a big deal to be seen. You know, as, human, as humans, we long to be seen. You know, when you think about it, even from a young age, you know, to where we are now, however old we are, we long to be seen. You know, you think about it with kids, right? They long for the attention of their parents. And when they don't get that, they long for the attention of anyone else, right? We want to be seen. You think about it in friendships. We want to be seen in, in a circle of friends. We want someone to acknowledge us and see us. Think about it with jobs, right? We put our resume out there and, and hope that we'll be seen. But then we also know the pain of not being seen when we are ignored. We know that. We feel that in circles, in friendships, when someone doesn't speak to us, that hurts. We know that feeling. We know when the resume just falls on deaf ears and no one gets back to us. We know the feeling. We know the feeling of dressing up nicely, hoping that our partner will see us or hoping that someone else might see us and no one says anything. We know the feeling of not being seen. It's a human longing to want to be seen. We, we want to be seen. And here in this passage, what we see is something powerful. Jesus sees. He gets to the spot and he sees the kiss. But he shows something powerful here. He doesn't just see him. He knows him. You see, notice when Jesus gets to this spot and looks up, he doesn't say, hey, guy up the tree, get down. He calls him by name. He says Zacchaeus because he knows who this guy is. Now again, this is, this is powerful. And if we think about it, right? So if we're in the crowd seeing this unfold, this is powerful to see this, right? We've seen Jesus come to town. We're wondering what he's going to do, what amazing things he's going to do. And then he gets to this tree and calls this guy by name. I think if I'm there, I'm wondering how does he know Zacchaeus? Right, isn't that, that that sense there? Like, how does he know this guy? And then there's sort of that, you know, that subtext where you're like, and does he really know him? You ever felt that? Does he really know Zacchaeus? Like, you're sort of wondering, you want to whisper to Jesus, hey, you know this is the traitor. You know this is the thief. You know this is the tax collector, the guy that no one likes. In fact, we all ignore this guy. No one wants to know this guy. Do you really know Zacchaeus, Jesus? <laughs> but he does. And he shows us that here. He knows Zacchaeus. And he knows Zacchaeus, as we've seen throughout the whole Luke, you see this, Jesus is God. He knows his people. He knows people. He knows everything about us. And he's showing something massive here. He doesn't just see Zacchaeus. He knows him. Now again, like being seen, being known is a human longing. We want to be known, right? We want people in that conversation to ask us about us. We don't like those conversations where people just talk about themselves because we want to be known. We want to share our story. You know, and even if it's a bit of our story, even if for some of us we withhold ourselves because we don't want to be fully known, there's still this sense that we want to be known. 
We want to be seen and we want to be known. And Jesus shows here in this moment that he sees Zacchaeus and that he knows him. Now, it raises this question. If he sees him and if he knows him, what's Jesus going to do to him? Because this guy is the worst of the worst. He is the chief sinner. He is the guy with the crooked background, the guy with shame, the guy with guilt, the guy who has been the traitor of God's people, the guy who's stolen. What's Jesus going to do? Well, he doesn't kick him out. He doesn't shame him. He doesn't guilt him. Instead, he, he actually gives him this invitation. And it's an invitation for acceptance. We see that as Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. You see, what's going on here, to stay at someone's house was more than just getting a free feed. You know, today we might go to someone's house for the food. But back in this day, it was so much more than just food. This was a sign of acceptance. This was saying, I accept this guy. A sign of belonging. And so Jesus here is showing something massive. He says he sees, we see he sees, he knows, and then he gives this invitation to find acceptance. Jesus is breaking stereotypes here. Jesus is shattering expectations. Now again, if, if you're seeing this in the crowd and you're watching this unfold, it's confusing. You know, it all happened really quickly. <laughs> like you were kind of expecting Jesus to slow down, heal some people, but this all happened really quickly. He just walked to the spot, called up and invited himself over. And I think if you're in the crowd, you're kind of confused about this, but also, I think, kind of annoyed about this. Why this guy's house? Why not my house? And actually, that's kind of what the crowd says. We see that because when they see this happen in verse 7, the people saw this and began to mutter, he is gone to be the guest of a sinner. The crowd see what Jesus does here, and they're like, hang on, why that guy? Not that guy. He's a sinner. He's the wrong type of guy. You see that? You see what they're doing here? They're deciding who is the type of person that can get acceptance from God. And it's not this guy. It's not the sinner. It's not the worst of the worst. They're saying, you can't go to that guy's house. He's the wrong type of person. Now, when you see this, it's not that different to today's version of this. It's not that different to say that the wrong type of person is someone with a different skin color or a different gender, or a different age, or a different wealth, or they have a different political standpoint. It's, it's not that different to that, because essentially the underlying tone is, he's the wrong type of person. This person can't find acceptance from God. But Jesus is actually showing something massive here, powerful here, confronting here. This is the exact type of person. This is the exact type of person, because this person is lost. This person hasn't got it all together. This person isn't the good guy. And, and we see that, and we see that actually in Zacchaeus' response. In Zacchaeus' response, we see that Jesus has come for this type of person. Because when Zacchaeus responds, we see that there is a difference here for Zacchaeus. And we see this in verse 8. Zacchaeus accepts Jesus over. He takes this invitation, and then he says in verse 8, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And what we see in this moment of Zacchaeus' response is that this is the exact type of person that Jesus has come with, that, that he's come for, because what we see in Zacchaeus is difference. In fact, you could describe what, what happens with Zacchaeus as a, some kind of healing, as some kind of being found. Right? There's restoration that happens here. And Jesus is showing this is the type of person he's come for. He has come for the sick. He has come for the blind. He has come for the lost. And when he sees them, 
when he accepts them, when he invites them in, they become healed. Maybe more than just physically, definitely more than physically. There's something different here for him. And as Zacchaeus experiences Jesus, you see the difference, right? Jesus opens his heart to Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus opens his heart to other people and his wallet. He cares for the poor and he gives back four times those that he stole from. And in this exact moment, what we're seeing is the type of person God has come for. It's not the person that has it all together. It's not the healthy. Jesus says elsewhere, it's the sick. Jesus shows the type of person he's come for. But see, in this passage, we see so much more than that, don't we? We see actually three things in this passage that we see as we see Jesus do this. Three things. that We see the type of God that God is to accept a person like this, the type of person that gets acceptance, and then we see the type of response. So firstly, we see the type of God that God is to do this. And what we see from Jesus as he accepts Zacchaeus is that our God is not a reluctant saviour. He's not a reluctant savior. This is the first thing we see in this passage. And we see that in the next verses, actually, because as this unfolds for Zacchaeus, Jesus says what happens with Zacchaeus is actually bigger than just one guy. We see that from verse 9 and 10. Jesus says this. He says, Today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. He's saying this guy's been saved. He's now part of the family of God. And then Jesus says this massive statement in verse 10. For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came to seek and save the lost. Jesus in this verse is revealing his heart. He's revealing his purpose, his mission. It's to seek and save not just one lost person, but the lost. You see, the reason salvation came to this house was because Jesus came to this house. The reason salvation came to this world is because Jesus came into this world. You see, over the last few weeks, we've been reflecting on how we can't be good enough for God. And if you haven't joined us, it's worth going back and listening to those talks. It's seeing what God says in Luke 18. But over and over again, we get this reminder that we can't be good enough for God. That actually, we, have, we fall too far short. But what Jesus shows us here is that he's come for the lost. He's come for those who aren't good enough. Jesus entered into the world and he lived the life we couldn't live, the good life. And then he died the death we deserved and then he rose again. And in Jesus' death and resurrection, he is making a way to find salvation. Jesus is showing here the type of person that he is, the type of God that he is. And in this statement, we see his purpose, his heart. He's not reluctant. He loves to save people. Now, I love this because when we think about it, often when we think about God saving us, sometimes we think about him being reluctant. You know, we think about God dealing with sinful, broken people like me. You know, people who feel shame, people who feel guilt. And we think that when we come to God, he lets out this sigh. And he's like, man, if I have to heal this person, if I have to save this person. We can think of God as this reluctant savior, but he's not reluctant. He's not reluctant. His heart is to save people. And so we need a better picture. And Jesus gives us a better picture. It's one of a doctor. Jesus describes himself as a doctor. Now, uh, the, some of, in the last few months, some of the good news stories, or one of the good news stories has been that we have found, a, we, I say we like I've done it, a vaccine for COVID. We've done this. And um, it is a good news story. And it's been rolling out over the world, this vaccine uh, around the world. And we've heard in the last couple of months that it's going to come to Australia. You know, and this is good news for us. 
because this is the cure to a deadly disease that has caused so much death and taken so many lives and livelihoods across the world. And when it comes to Australia, it's going to be good. Now, I guarantee that when we go to the doctor to get this vaccine, no doctor is going to sigh as we walk in. No doctor's going to be like, you serious? I've got to do this again? Right now, and it doesn't matter if we're the first person or the last person. It doesn't matter if we go boldly or tentatively. It doesn't matter if we've got questions or no questions. It doesn't matter if we're quick or slow to that. When we walk in, no doctor's going to be tentative in that, or, or, or no doctor's going to be like reluctant in that. No, when we walk in, any doctor worth their salt is going to be happy for us, joyful for us, because this is the cure to something deadly. Now, this is the picture Jesus gives us when he describes himself as a doctor. It's his heart. It's what drives him. It's his purpose. It's what he loves. He loves to heal people. He loves to restore people. He loves to save people. And it doesn't matter if it's the, you know, our first, if we're the first or the last. It doesn't matter if we go boldly or tentatively. It doesn't matter if we've got questions or no questions. It doesn't matter. When we come to Jesus, he loves it. He absolutely loves it. It's his heart. It's his purpose. It's why he came. And it's so good to see this. Our God is not reluctant in saving people. He loves it. So the first thing we see is the type of God that God is. The second thing we see is the type of person that can find acceptance. And I hope you can see it, the type of person that can find acceptance, it has nothing to do with skin color. It has nothing to do with gender. It has nothing to do with age. It has nothing to do with political standpoints. It has nothing to do with any other categories that we want to come up with. The person that can find acceptance before God is simply the person that takes the invitation. That's it. That's, that's the requirement, that we take the invitation from Jesus to trust in him. We see that with Zacchaeus. He's seen and he's known and he's given this invitation and he takes it. And here we, we are, we're seeing something. The type of person that can find acceptance from God, it's just the person that takes this invitation. Now, here's why this matters. For us this morning, when we think about it, in, in our relationships, we want to be accepted. We long to be accepted. And so what can happen in our relationships is we hide ourselves. Because we are afraid, or we can be afraid, that if people really knew me, then they'd reject me. And some of us feel that. And some of us feel that because of our experience of being rejected once we were known. And so we can live with this fear that if I'm actually known, people are going to walk away. And so for some of us, when we come to church, even if we're not wearing a mask, we're hiding. We're hiding ourselves. We're not wanting to bring ourselves out because of this fear that if people really knew me, they wouldn't accept me. Now see this from Jesus. He sees you. His eyes are on you. You have his attention. You don't, you don't have to jump around to get his attention. You have his attention. He sees you. And more than that, he knows you. He knows your name. He knows your past. He knows your shame and your guilt. He knows what you love and what you hate. He knows your highs and your lows. There is nothing you can hide from God. He sees you and he knows you 
and see this, he's still giving you this invitation. He's still inviting you in. He's saying you can be fully known and fully loved. The most authentic and genuine relationship that you will ever have when someone knows you completely and still loves you. And to get this, all we've got to do is take this invitation. You see, that? that's all Zacchaeus did. He didn't bring anything to the table. He just took the invitation. You know, we start Romans next week, as Ross said, and there's this line in Romans that tells us how to accept this invitation. It says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And all it's saying there is, is how we take this invitation. Inwardly, we trust Jesus. Inwardly, we, we trust Jesus, we confess, we believe this in our hearts, that Jesus is Lord. And then outwardly, we just tell people. That's all it requires of us to take this invitation. We believe inwardly, and then we tell the people we came with. We tell anyone. And when we do that, this is us taking this invitation. Well, we can be fully known and fully loved. So the first thing we see is the type of God. He's not a reluctant savior. The second thing we see is the type of person that can find acceptance. And then the third thing we see is the type of response this creates. Did you see that with Zacchaeus? When he experiences Jesus, he changes. He is healed. And there is something that is produced in that. And as God opens his heart to Zacchaeus, he begins to open his heart to other people. And I, I see two things in this. Well, the two things that we see from Zacchaeus is that he begins to love other people. He opens his heart to other people, and then he opens his wallet as well. Now, remember last week we had this story with the rich ruler. He wanted to earn his way to heaven, and God said, give all your money. And he couldn't do it. And he couldn't do it because he didn't experience Jesus. He wasn't trying to experience Jesus. He was trying to earn his way to God. But the tax collector, Zacchaeus, he experiences Jesus and it creates in him a love for other people and a generosity. If we are people who have experienced Jesus, then we are to be not exclusive, but inclusive. Where our hearts are towards other people, where we have a deep love for other people, and that we are generous, generous with our time and with our money, where we give generously because we've experienced God's generosity to us. So we see in this passage the type of God that, God that God is. He's not a reluctant savior. The type of person that God accepts, just anyone who takes this invitation and the type of response this creates. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we experience Jesus, as we experience the love that you have shown us by seeing us and knowing us and giving us this opportunity to find acceptance, we pray that this would create in us a heart for other people, that we would be a people who love other people and are generous towards them. God, we pray for your grace in this. We pray that we would be a church that is loving, that is gracious, that is generous, that is compassionate, that is gentle. And we pray for help in this, Lord. We need your help, and we pray that when we're struggling with this, Lord, that we would come back to experiencing Jesus, who he is, and what he did for us at the cross. And we pray that right now, as we sing, that you would do this work in us and help us to experience the truth that we know, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.